This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Hype! Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kinda like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome once again, everyone, to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will be joining me for a discussion about movie marketing campaigns. Uh, Back in episode 43, uh, an episode called You're Wrong, which is actually one of our more popular episodes, uh, Eric mentioned this as a possible show idea, and we're finally getting around to it. Uh, So this is uh, about, at the time we were talking about the Dick Tracy marketing campaign and how... It was sort of ubiquitous and everywhere and didn't really uh, make the difference, right? The movie wasn't great and you can't overwhelm it. But th- this is about those things where it's like they put that marketing campaign out there and and you just can't avoid it. You know, The, the world is saturated no matter how bad the movie is. Uh, so we're going to talk about that today. And, of course, we've also got a, yet another batch of The Fresh Hit where we talk about the movies and other pop culture stuff we've been doing this week. As always, you can check the show notes to find the timestamps of the things that are most interesting to you. And we're still trying to grow the show's audience. It's been dwindling a bit during COVID. We could use a little bit of a goose here. So, you know, please subscribe to the podcast. Share it on your social feeds. Uh, tell all your friends about it. Give us a rating, five stars. See if you can help us out there. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We are at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E. We're also... Uh, on our website, maghuge.com, where you can find links to all the ways to contact us, including our email address, which is magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. You can also find our Facebook and our Instagram there. All right, let's do another show. Hey, everybody, it's the Magnificently Huge Podcast. So magnificent. It is, once again, so the huge. Magnificently Huge Podcast. So big. Robot Where Roll Call. I'm talk Brian. about things. Uh, this is Eric. I'm here. Uh, this is Chris. And, uh, hey. Yeah. Eric, and, I was genuinely not sure if we were going to be able to record today or if you were going to be, like, you know, gagging on the smoke of, of Oregon burning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. I was going to ask I'll have you. I'll send it, you a picture of that. Is it is it red like San Francisco in the sky or is it just smoky? Yeah, it's, it's fucking crazy. Okay. Everywhere you go, it is, like, you know, 100-yard visibility. Uh, everyone is staying inside. Well, you know, it's some, some days it smells like, you know, chemical burns, nice. you know, like not, not yeah. actual. Yeah. We know all that stuff was, uh, started by Antifa so that the BLM people can come into your home and steal your shit. <sighs> yeah. Whatever. People are saying, uh, people are saying. I yeah. saw a report that <laughs> I've they heard had many some... people say that Donald <laughs> Trump fucks goats. Yes. People are saying it. Yes. People are saying some people saying it. Yes. Some people say some people say well some people say some people say uh, some say it. Some people say they are saying this. Not a lot of people know this that uh, he's a complete cunt. Yeah. That people don't know that I, I people don't know this. I've, I've heard. I've heard. Yes. Nobody's ever seen anything <laughs> like it. Yeah. Uh, never seen such yeah yeah <laughs> i gotta be honest with you i've just uh i'm i'm fairly ill prepared for this week just because i've been kind of 
on the more anxious side of things. Yeah, uh, I think I just, we're all there. Yeah. This could be a rickety show, everybody. Yeah, so uh, just prepare I, yourself. Gird your loins. I think it's funny. I was I was out at the store with my wife, and she had told me because normally I am just like complete. Oh, everything is gonna burn it's just like we're all we're all fucked and she will always try and uh interject a note of optimism at well she says to me um i know that's what i normally do i'm finding it hard to do that job and i realized (laughs) that that's that's probably really the blessing of being me is that i knew all this was coming and now i'm just watching it <laughs> I well, really don't. It's care. not like we didn't uh, know it was coming, Eric. Just some of us try to maintain some sort of normalcy bullshit. so we don't go insane. Yeah, you bullshit yourself. You're already insane, <laughs> so you had nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Eric, the rest of us are trying not to become you. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> So there you go. That's a just a theory. A bunch of soldiers get get killed in a bombing in some other country and nobody does anything because it's all part of the plan yeah uh well fuck this noise anybody got any fresh shit <laughs> this shit is fresh you know i was thinking about how like like not th- how how bad this this pandemic is for our podcast that is half about here's the new stuff that's out right now because there's really no new stuff out right now well the the beauty of it is that even before brian was pretty much the only one that was actually bringing any new stuff to the table consistently so i applaud him for that but i also feel bad that he can't go see stuff in the theater anymore and bring us new stuff but i would yeah, I would on occasion a- go see something new and I'd be like, oh, hey, I just, I was just constructive for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and really? It's like, I don't even have that opportunity anymore. Nope. It's just, oh, sure. Yeah. Now, today there was a, a statistic that says that if you got COVID since Memorial Day, um, there's a two to one odds that you had gone to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So whether that's about everybody sitting around in restaurants with their masks off because they're eating, um, or whether that's just around the kind of people who've been going to restaurants during the <laughs> the summer have been, uh, I don't, oh, jeez. Yeah. Everything sucks. Everything is horrible. Um, but Everything. fresh shit. Yeah. Everything has always been horrible. You're just all seeing what I've been seeing this whole time. Life is shit. Life is shit. The world is shit. The world is shit. This is life as I know it. Wow, what a 12 Monkeys yep. moment for everybody. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I didn't get out and see any movies, and I didn't really see anything new this week. I did I did watch uh, Dolomite Is My Name. Oh, great. Yeah, you had brought that up. Yeah, when it first came that out was, months ago. Yeah, that was way better than expected. It's yep. fun. What a good movie. Uh, um, but, Eddie Murphy. Good to see Eddie Murphy having fun. Right? And, like doing his thing and and paying homage to his influences yeah yeah because uh ray rudy Boers is fucking crazy on his own but to have eddie plus, murphy doing that is equal yeah fun. plus a biopic where the um i guess the bioporn approach isn't done of he was nobody then he was somebody then he fell on hard times then he came back then he died you know didn't do that it was actually you know sort of an appreciation of black exploitation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I like the fact, and I brought this up, I think, when it had come out and was new. Uh, my only real beef with it, and it's a minor quibble, that's the same guys that wrote Ed Wood, so it follows a lot of the same beats as far as... Yeah, you know, yeah, I can see that. Weird, weirdo Rise, Weirdo Fall, that kind of thing. Yeah, It's a minor quibble, because overall it's still a fun-ass story. But uh, The thing I liked the most about Ed Wood was his optimism, and they gave him that. Yeah. And Dolomite, yeah, he, pretty, I, he carries it around pretty well in that one, too. It's just, it's just fun to see Eddie Murphy just full-on working blue, you know, even though he's, <laughs> he's doing a biopic. And he's just back to, back to sort of what made him a star, right? Like, everybody just wants to see Eddie Murphy get up on stage and, and yeah. tear it up. And so which, he gets to do that. Which is funny. What's well, funny you bring it up, because uh, I keep circling around Golden Child is on, like, Amazon Prime or something, but I just I can't right. bring myself to watch it. Because you that, know it's gonna suck. Yeah, because well, I've seen it. I know it sucks, but it's also you can pretty much pinpoint that to the moment when Eddie's Murphy, Eddie Murphy's career started to really kind of falter a little bit. Because then yeah. after that, he started doing Beverly Hills Cop sequels. He was doing uh, like Coming to America, which is okay but not great. And then it sort of started his slide. So he had that really meteoric rise in the early eighties and then boom, golden child. What the hell is this? And then you can pretty much mm -hmm. just write them off from there. Almost. I'm glad you say that it was just okay. My feeling about that movie is it's just okay. And everyone talks about it. Like it's one of these great comedies. I, I can barely remember coming to America. Yeah. It's yeah. Coming to America was the beginning of Eddie Murphy putting on a bunch of makeup and playing a bunch of different <laughs> yeah, characters. Playing like yeah. 40 zillion characters throughout yeah. his, yeah. yeah, throughout his career from there. Uh, yeah, I I don't, and they're making a sequel to Coming to America somehow. Like, why? I don't. Who cares? Uh, anyway, but Dolomite, enjoy Dolomite. Definitely watch it. Um, Netflix didn't have a high percentage match for me, so I actually had to go like search to find the damn thing. But uh, yeah, I no, hate doing. I hate doing. Really that, fun, but yeah. <laughs> well, um. Good. Two more things I'll call out. Um, a series I started watching on HEO Max. This is one that they've been that they've made as a Max original, whatever that's supposed to mean. It um, means I can't watch it because I don't have HBO Max. It, yeah, it means uh, yeah. <laughs> so this show, this show is is I think it's from BBC Four. Uh, it's called Pure. Um, it's about a young Scottish woman who lives in this really tiny town who has this like disorder where where basically she's just constantly constantly thinking about sex and like every person she sees she pictures them naked or doing something so she's a dude brave <laughs> yeah, well really. she takes it a bit <laughs> she takes it a bit further like I'll, I'll drop a clip here that's not just a random nipple that's 781 minutes of thinking what i could do to it lick it suck it flick it Milk it. She it always takes it just one step a little bit too far, <laughs> and, and and so it's um, you know, it's still just young young kid from the sticks moves to the big city kind of story, but with this wrinkle of her just disorder. I've only watched a couple episodes. Uh, intriguing so far. Haven't dropped it. Okay. Um, don't really have much more to say about uh both. Uh, the Harley Quinn show, other than I finished the first season and it's fucking great. 
So you're, and I also finished the first season of Man Seeking Woman, and it's fucking great. So, so keep watching that. You're getting some mileage out of your HBO Max subscription. I really am. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, but then the last thing I want to talk about is a video game. Um, we have gotten in the last uh, couple of weeks here a remake of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 as a single remastered package. Um, they went and got all of the songs that were in the original soundtracks. They got the licenses for those again, so you got Dead Kennedys again and Public Enemy and Anthrax and stuff. Um, but now it's like running at a solid 60 frames per second frame rate and all of the moves they added for like Tony Hawk 3 and where the reverts and the manuals and all that are present for all the maps. It is so tight. Um, it is very very good maybe one of the best video games released this year and it's only 40 bucks just go buy it uh the first two tony hawks are classics for a reason this is the best version of both by a long shot i've always thought tony hawk 2 was the most like skateboarding Mm because everything after that it they, they they became like superhero games you know, right? They start getting so like just yeah. You're not top doing buildings. A forty thousand yeah. foot air off of a building, grinding on a trolley, and no, no, it's just nonsense. But that yeah, that <laughs> second one that was fun. That was that was almost nostalgic while I was playing it. Yeah, uh, Eric, I would strongly recommend uh, picking that one up on your Xbox. It it holds up, and then some. It's such a good uh, it. it the design of those maps for Tony Hawk 1 and 2 and having the manuals in Tony Hawk 1 if you want it. You can set the controls to be as limiting as the original game was, but you wouldn't want to do that. But they have, they have maintained all of the collision and physics from the original game. So if you were good at the original games, your skills translate immediately mm. uh, to, to, the, to the new ones. But, but just being able to play it with a good frame rate and not getting nauseous on the camera and... And there's little cosmetic things like the mall now has has like been abandoned and is kind of getting overgrown and is, is run you know run down with graffiti and stuff and right. it, it's just it's just good it's just good All right <laughs> how many hours have you played well, in now? I don't know maybe five five to ten okay I'm taking my time okay okay so yeah that's all I got full week what do you guys got full week. Uh, I'll go. Uh, you guys remember these things called DVDs? You familiar Vaguely. with these? You familiar? Uh, D- DVDs, not BVDs. There's a difference. Yeah, you wear okay. BVDs. You watch okay. DVDs. That's oh, I've a- been doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do it's, both. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Your butt cheeks are not where DVDs go. <laughs> uh, but I remembered that I have like a whole cabinet full of hundreds of DVDs that I acquired over a span of time and decided I'm tired of looking for stuff to stream that I can't find. So, hey, I think I have it on physical media. Mm. So I hooked my DVD player back up and uh, have been watching stuff that uh, otherwise I would have to pay like 10 to 20 bucks for to stream, uh, which is nice. But I haven't really gotten into much else than my my like gangster flicks. That's like all I've been watching for like two two weeks is gangster movies, and apparently I have a lot, which is just funny to me. Uh, so gangster movies like 
you know, 30s gangsters or uh, 70s gangsters mostly, or like mostly, modern gangsta? Uh, what? Well, gangster movies that are kind of across the map, but nothing made post 80s or pre 80s. Okay. Uh, so it's all newish ones. Because uh, the cla- I mean, I like the classic gangster stuff, but they're just hard to rewatch for me because they're just movies from the 30s and sometimes they're just a little bit too much. I like the ones where like the the ratings board just kind of disappeared in the 60s and the Hayes code was gone and then they could get super violent. Uh, <laughs> so that's more fun to me. So drop but, some titles. What have you been watching? Uh, I started with some Hong Kong stuff. So I, I watched uh, Hard Boiled by John Woo. Okay. Which is like 92, which is probably my favorite John Woo flick because it's just so batshit crazy. But that's like uh, the mobsters are doing like a like an illicit gun running operation in the basement of a hospital that they <laughs> apparently built, but they've got this fortress underneath everything. And Chow Yun-Fat plays the cop who's out to bust him. And then there's like an entirely extended 30-minute shootout in the climax up through the hospital. It's just insane. Uh, <laughs> it's so much fun. But it's all the John Woo flourishes, like the slow motion pans and the the goofy melodramatic music and la 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 so that's fun uh so that led me to in- infernal affairs which is what departed was based on uh and infernal affairs stars andy lau and tony leung and it's like the one guy's the mole working for the mobster who's an actual cop and then one is the cop who's actually the mole working in the mob and it's sort of this cat and mouse game so in the departed it was what was it Matt Damon and uh, Leonardo <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, done by Scorsese, and I guess he won the Oscar for that one if I remember correctly. Uh, and mm. it's don't forget Marky Mark. Yeah, and everybody Alec Baldwin, and it's just I mean it's a fine movie. It's okay. It's entertaining. Nicholson kind of hams it up as the gangster, but the original Infernal Affairs is so much better. It's just a tight ninety minutes, and then you're done. Whereas Scorsese had to draw that thing out to like two and a half hours and put it. I in. thought the oh. Departed was was overdone. Yeah, and yeah, not very entertaining. I, yeah. I I I was ready to sleep through most of it. Yeah, it's just I, mean, I didn't think even he wanted to do it. No, frankly. it's obviously just oh, it's you know Oscar bait, and it's definitely yeah. not one of his more interesting movies. But if you watch Infernal Affairs, the Hong Kong version that came out first, you're like, oh, this is so much better. So that's fun. Uh. But then that le- leads me down like the path, and I'm like, well, what else have I got? Oh, I've got Sexy Beast. Hell yeah. Fucking badass evil Gandhi. I love that movie. Holy <laughs> fuck. It's like Ben Kingsley. Gandhi, man. He's just sitting there just haranguing Ray Winstone the entire time. Fucking no, yes. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> just, and, and like, just very liberal use of the word uh, Boy, as, a, that, as an insult, like three of those now on this episode of the show. I'm not sure if I'm bleeping them or not. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. And so uh, he just, yeah, goes after Ray Winstone to do this job, and he's just abusive and belligerent and awful. And, and it's just such a good movie. It is so much fun. Uh, and it's it, it hooks me from the beginning because the opening titles use peaches by the stranglers uh to kind of get you into the, the stream of things and it's just awesome so yeah rewatched that which led me to like the more 
mundane stuff like Untouchables, which I still like. That uh, is such. Uh, I, that's a classic. It it's is. it's fun, and then you watch it and you're like, holy sh. Okay, so Brian De Palma did two Scarface movies, uh, and you get to see Pacino and De Niro do their takes on it. And it's like obviously Scarface is just fueled by coke from start to finish, because <laughs> uh, Untouchables is way more classic in its approach. Uh, but you get the bonus of Sean Connery, uh, etc. And and then and just for for kickers, uh, so then I ended up my run this week watching the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, which is a Corman film from like '67, and that's got Jason Robards as Capone, and it's just the whole all the setup <laughs> to the Saint Valentine's wow. Day Massacre. Uh, Ralph Meeker plays Bugs Moran, and Ralph Meeker, I don't know if you guys have seen Kiss Me Deadly, which was one of the the bigger uh, influential in war movies from like 1955 and he plays uh, Mike Hammer but he's Bugs Moran and it's just like this mob war and it's so over the top because he just Corman brings in so many of these actors like oh I know him I know him like Dick Miller shows up as one of the the gunmen etc uh, etc et and it's just this crazy violent deal and he just he loves to do like flashback scenes where it's just mob hits and it's like little like five minute scenes of guys with tommy guns just shooting at storefronts and shit like that it's so (laughs) much fun uh so yeah that's all i've been doing is watching gangster movies ad nauseum and i can't for life me figure out why it's just bothersome but i got plenty more and there's one called kill zone with uh what's his name from rogue one I'm one with the force. The force is one with me. I'm one with the force. Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen uh, is in that one with Sammo Hung. And that's just in their like, modern gangster flick. And there's all kinds of violence and martial arts and whatnot. And the so, fights are just I, brutal. I'm interested in the story where you're buying all of these like Hong Kong gangster Dude, films I, on DVD. Like, Was this just they were on like getting cleared I, out from the video store, the bookstore or something? Uh, yeah, or I, worked, I worked at a used bookstore for like 15 years. Okay. And uh, anytime something interesting rolled through, I would set it aside and then use my store discount uh, to get it. And so, yeah, I've just got, I've got just a crap ton of uh, weird v- DVD titles uh, that are very esoteric and not mainstream, I guess. Because it was, it was interesting. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll yeah. get it. I'll take it home. Sure, whatever. So, it's yeah. It's not like people go on a Best Buy run to go buy... Whatever that Donnie Yen thing was, I gotta know? say, no. when when blockbusters were closing right and left, we went all over town just picking up anything oh, yeah. good because they were all cheap. Yeah, and there was like lots of stuff that we like that we knew no one else would grok. So yeah, my DVD collection of really cool shit exploded when yeah. Blockbuster died. It's a it's a good time. So yeah, so it's it- that'll be that'll be my next show. Nice. <laughs> What's your DVD collection? <laughs> Boo boo uh, boo. So yeah. So literally just watching uh mob gangster movies where they just kill the living shit out of each other very violently. Uh and it's just yeah. But to me, like it, like it's all symbolized with the scene in the Dutchables when De Niro beats the guy to death with a bat after giving that really lovely speech about baseball. Sunny Day stands are full of fans. What does he have to say? I'm going out there for myself. (laughs) But I get nowhere unless 
The team wins. Team. Crack, crack, crack. And then the guy's bloody pulp of a head just bleeding all over the table. It's like, oh, God. So that's l- literally the, the epitome Team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of it. So, yeah, it's fun. But then as a side note, uh, Robards in St. Valentine's Day Massacre, at the very end, when he finds out two of his guys had uh, ratted something out, uh, there's a whole scene that's similar to what De Palma had done, and basically Robards comes out with a bat. They don't actually show him beating the guys to death. They do everything leading up to it. And I'm like, so which was made first, the Corman movie or the Diploma oh, movie? Oh, Corman movie was like 20 years Corman. earlier. Okay. Uh, so I'm wondering if that's some sort of apocryphal Capone story where he beat a dude to death with a bat. Or likely. Diploma just ripped off Corman, which is entirely <laughs> likely. <laughs> yeah, which is possible. But yeah, I would say of uh, Corman's three, or not Corman, uh, De Palma's three main gangster epics, which is Scarface, Untouchables, and Carlito's Way. Uh, I definitely like Untouchables the best because it's just so stupid but fun and filmy. And the best, the best done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I what, uh, didn't Versace do the uh, um, yeah, do the costuming. Yeah, and I like that they don't they don't pretend that it's any sort of historical document because I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Ness like throws Nitty off a building, which never happened. But I love it as a poetic moment in the movie. You know what I mean? So it's just it's got everything. He even like recreates the the Potemkin steps uh, scene from Eisenstein. If anything, more people remember the Untouchables version of the Potemkin steps than yeah. than the original. Exactly. And that was yeah. and that was something they did for budget because they had planned a whole like chase on a train they were going to do a whole thing with a train and they couldn't yeah. afford it so he said all right shit let's see what i can make up Excellent. and he made up something that's i can't baby think of a stroller a staircase and a clock. baby stroller scene <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wonder if he prepurposed any of uh any of his ideas for uh that train chase in mission impossible makes you wonder so. makes you wonder what he had planned okay. yeah a helicopter chasing a train through a tunnel yeah <laughs> or somebody outside of the train <laughs> yeah so excellent so yeah so uh right. just watching people kill the shit out of each other and uh using that as a way to decompress eric what do you got okay i got two things um th- th- one old one new uh I- I- because i have this disney plus and you know i like having things on in the background while i'm working i i gave up on watching the marvel movies in reverse because i just got bored yeah <laughs> uh, i could see that and instead, I decided I would watch the uh, Star Wars trilogy trilogy. And uh, I watched Phantom Menace, and it is as bad, if not worse, than you remember. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, it is so dull. Yeah. It is so. I, I, and I, I realized something. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so, Star Wars is like this incredibly well done two and a half films right the first one the second one parts of the third one yeah Mm -hmm. okay imagine taking that i hate using the word franchise but let's let's say you know i gotta call it that okay imagine uh, uh they were going to make prequels to the star wars trilogy and they were gonna get the guy who made surf 2 the end of the trilogy <laughs> to make it right. I think we'd be like, what we've seen what? that movie. Why? Yeah. 
Yeah, why why? Why would you do that? Those guys they're they're jerk offs. They they made trash and you're gonna give it Oh yeah, you're right. That is stupid. Instead, we're gonna give it to the guy who made Howard the Duck. Will that be okay? <laughs> because that's really ultimately what George Lucas is. Yeah. He's a guy who lucked into two films because his wife was a much better reader than he uh-huh. was. Uh-huh. And so you you then get to Phantom Menace where he's like, oh, all right, I'll make I'll make them. I want to put in car races and and and, and, and Darth Vader is a boy and and it's just <laughs> just nonsense all of it. <laughs> yeah, and no one there to edit him. I I I That's think the big thing. There's, yeah, it's there's, some there's no one who of, can tell George no for yeah. the entire mm-hmm. prequel trilogy. Yeah, I think yeah. I think when I when I watched in the theater and you get to the point where little Anakin is the one who actually builds C three PO out of spare parts. Oh my god! Uh, oh. It was all I could do not to to stand up and pull an Eric uh, lethal weapon too. Fuck you! <laughs> you know, like flip off the screen and storm out. Yeah, yeah and that and that's that's really the first instance of what just kept making the prequels terrible was that. By making everybody know each other, they've taken this vast <laughs> galaxy and just make yeah. it smaller and smaller yeah. and it's smaller. It's a small world after all. Yeah. You know how big space is? It's, it's en- fucking huge. It's enormous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I and 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 then and you know, midi chlorians. Of course, yeah. that's the mm-hmm. best. Yeah, I mean the, the thing they. Yeah, oof. the only good port part of that whole movie is like the five minutes or so when they do the duel of the fates. And uh, Darth Maul gets his chance to shine. Uh, mm. Other than that, it's like there, there's really nothing in this movie. But even that, think about like the lightsaber duels of the first three films, mm-hmm. right? You've got uh, Ben and Darth Vader, and it's you know the these old friends, and they you know mm-hmm. Ben disappeared. There's like an emotional resonance to it. The second one, Luke, I'm your father. No, wow, self sacrifice. The third one is him almost breaking him with hate and then him not being broke. It's like, there's so much going on here. It's, it's a two on one dick fight. That's it. It's, there's no (laughs) meaning. I don't care about these Jedis. I don't care about this guy with the black and red face. I don't care. And yeah, there's more choreography, but there's so much less, you know, less in every way. This film is a failure. Yeah. I think we, well, and we've talked about it before in other shows, but yeah, it's you can literally talk about the laundry list of issues plaguing yeah. Phantom Menace, and you would still not be able to do any justice right. to how many things are wrong with it. Right, right. <laughs> Ultimately, I, I did I did also watch it uh, as homework for this week's subject, which we'll oh, get to. Okay. Yes, I think that's fair. I think that's yeah. definitely fair. I had, yeah. I had also thought of it. The, the, the other thing I watched that is new is a, uh, a documentary called Class Action Park, which I think we really mentioned oh, at some oh, point. Yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been hovering near that. I haven't actually pulled the trigger on it yet. Yeah. It's, okay, it is a, a well-done documentary. It is amazing, the shit that went on in this New Jersey uh, um, water park yeah. called Action Park that apparently was sort of legendary in the 70s and 80s for just being you're on your own kid you know you you may or may not die but here you go um and the the thing i'm not giving anything away here but it's it's the story really of a man an investor a huckster 
who puts together this this water park that is totally dangerous. He does all this illegal shit to keep going. And by the end of it, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to get his. No, no, he dies in his bed like, you know, four or five years ago. I'm like, oh, <laughs> did he do any time? No. Oh, uh, what about, you know, all these people who, you know, were injured? There, there are people who are witnesses who are like, you know, I think, I think we've lost something by not having, you know, a, 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 a an abattoir in, in pools where you might die. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's sort of a badge of honor that I went, no, that's not the conclusion you're supposed to draw. You're supposed to draw the conclusion that capitalism will kill you if you don't do something about it <laughs> there chris gethard is one of the people on oh my wife thought his name was chris Gethard when his name came up on the screen which i thought was funny. isn't that how you pronounce uh, I'm it i'm pretty sure the people yeah. who went to high school with him said that was his name yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you know by the end of it yeah he's talking about how you know it's like we see pe- we see each other you know people who went to action park in the 70s and 80s and it's just sort of this yeah i survived it like that was our vietnam or something what no no <laughs> <laughs> what do we, how about how where's the part of the documentary that spells out exactly why this can't happen again you know well i mean in fairness we're sitting here going yeah man i made it through the phantom menace you know yeah but but, but i wasn't gonna lose yeah. any fingers yeah but you you were you're pretty close to losing an eye i mean let's be real <laughs> i i just yeah there's there's oh yeah and there's one couple their son died at the the park and they they do interview the mom and the mom is still livid because they he the guy pulls a trump in the way he goes to court the way they settle that you know it's just very mm-hmm. i'm not going to talk to him i'm not going to pay him i'm like this guy's a cock why don't we why don't we dig into him no no so it's- i just i just the 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 conclusion of the film left me so violently angry you know not not it didn't have a happy ending, but they didn't see that this didn't have a happy ending. Yeah, it was in the end. It was just sort of a, you know, a yuck filled romp through a dangerous ass park. Oh, good times. <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah, made by people who were nostalgic for. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like something I'm gonna, Errol Morris should have made. Yeah, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a, a documentary about being bullied in junior high, and you know, it was just a good time. I look back with fondness at, you know, having my head slammed into lockers or, you know, having having people throw eggs at me on my way home from school. Yeah, that's always good fun. times. Good times. Again, you're kind of describing the Trump supporters to me. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's that's who. Yeah. You, you remember you remember the days when you'd go to P.E. and you found out somebody pissed in your on your gym clothes. <laughs> wow. Memories. <laughs> yeah we should bring that back kids today don't have enough piss yeah. on their gym clothes. they don't get it yeah yeah you good know, for them you, good for kids good for kids for not having to worry about getting killed yeah you Fuck know you. you know what else we should bring back <laughs> honestly segregation while we're at it yeah. i mean jesus <laughs> that's, that's where we're headed at this fucking stage yeah oh i hate you know, everything everyone is so so happy since we gave women the vote yeah no shit <laughs> 
<laughs> Welcome oh. to the massively canceled podcast, everybody. Yeah, really? Oh, really? Shit. Once, oh, we're <laughs> once so... again, once again, recognize irony, people. If you don't recognize <laughs> yeah. irony, not understanding irony is like not understanding what an oncoming car looks like. Yeah. You know? And to be, you it doesn't know. mean you're going to get run over. It means you know to, you know. Yeah, you have a better appreciation of your situation. Seriously, and we're full on Gen X, so irony is pretty much what we traffic in. So, yeah, <laughs> that's whatever. we can't help it. We can't help it. Whatever. <laughs> I I think that's the fresh shit. Fresh goes better. Fresh so I was listening to some older episodes of the podcast, and back on one of our more popular episodes, episode forty-three, you're wrong. Uh, this came up. Eric was saying, you know what? We should do a show about these movies where it was like all marketing and no movie. And, and where it was just like, you know, the cultural zeitgeist was, was forced to be like, you will watch this movie. And at, at the, you know, and, and so I'm like, Hey, that actually might be a fun show as so let's just actually do that. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're none of us, I think, properly prepared for this but the topic is hype right it's Mm. it's big fat movie marketing campaigns followed by movies that that didn't justify it would you Um, say like are we gonna get like full-on public enemy on this one don't believe the hype is that what we're doing oh well now i guess we have to thanks (laughs) don't 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 believe the hype Apparently, I'm voted down. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. In that episode, the the thing that Eric was referring to was the 1990 Dick Tracy movie. Mm. So I figure we can just start there and get it out of the way. Uh, 1990. I think important to start with Dick Tracy. You have to know that it is one summer ahead of Batman. Which had no, the it's most after. successful it, whisper. It, no, no, that's it, what I meant. I, I meant after. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's okay. one summer so, since. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Since it Batman happened, and everyone had one of those Bat logo T-shirts. Yes, and it was phenomenal. And movie executives said, "How can we make lightning strike twice? Well, yeah. let's make a comic book movie, and it'll you know." And so they make they make Dick Tracy. That's a comic book, and then they they sell try and sell T-shirts. Of of Dick Tracy everywhere that nobody seemed to wear. I mean, they were all in the bargain bin at Target, as I remember. Pretty much, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, it, well, who yeah. thought Dick Tracy was cool? Nobody who was <laughs> well, in the teen market in 1990, I can tell you that. Well, Batman had, was cool. Well, they definitely hadn't learned their lesson from 10 years earlier when they tried Flash Gordon. It's like, if, right. you, try, if you do an exact movie on... A 30s serial or comic strip. It's like nobody but your grandparents are really going to have any affection for it. I mean, it's like, shit, why don't we just do a Pogo movie while we're at it? But also comic book nerdiness was was nowhere near being popular. I mean, it was it was way back in the closet. It was like there was when you said Batman, everyone immediately thought of that dumbass 60s show. And uh and so the idea that there would be some other way of doing it, yeah, that's what I think made that Batman film so good is mm-hmm. the departure from what people knew yeah. Batman was. Well, plus you, with Dick Tracy, there's no connection at all except no. with very old people. And you know, you, I, you give Warren Beatty another directorial effort, and he's you know he's made Reds, which is just endless. 
Uh, like his, his, it's it's unendurable. Yeah. A lot of his movies are just, I mean, you can tell there's a good nugget of an idea in there, but I just don't like him as a director. I gotta be honest. If you want a really fine example of what a bad director he is, go, go see a little thing called town and country. (laughs) He, it was so bad. He has refused to make a film since. Yeah. He's just so embarrassed by what he did. Yeah, And that's even after Bullworth. So, wow. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Dick so, Tracy was like I think they learned all the wrong lessons from Batman because yeah, they mark they mark talk about Batman and then talk about why Dick Tracy does that same thing wrong. Sure, is that okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's 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 go back in the timeline. Let's rewind a little bit. So, yeah, Batman got you good, didn't it, Chris? Ah, uh, well, that was like the big giant whale of a movie for that summer. I mean, they started doing like Eric said, sort of their whisper campaign. Uh, probably late 88, I think I remember when you started seeing stuff appear, but they did it in such a way where you're like, hmm, what's this all about? Because they would just do mm-hmm. that Batman logo and then they would say right. summer, summer 89. I mean, it was like, they wouldn't tell you anything. And then the controversy yeah. hit with casting uh, Michael Keaton Michael as Batman. Keaton. And then everybody lost their shit going, well, you Beetlejuice can't do this. Batman? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they like Tim Burton directing, like, what is this shit? The guy to Pee Wee's big adventure, blah, blah, blah. So it had all these weird elements to it, but the marketing was just so relentless because it was just like everywhere you looked was that badge. And then you start seeing, like Eric said, like the t shirts and things show up in the stores. And then I think after the first of the year in 89, you get that first trailer. Which is the still the weirdest trailer I've ever seen in my entire life. They don't life. say a word. Yeah. They show quick clips of like very little bits of dialogue. Poorly yeah. edited. And Jack Nicholson as as Joker. And yeah, it's just it it's it's like all spectacle and makes you go, Oh fuck, I don't know what's going on, but yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. And it's in that way very similar to the Matrix Super Bowl commercial. Yes. In that they showed you all the cool parts without any context. Yes. Well, and that was one of those trailers that people would buy a ticket to the movie that had the trailer in front of it just to see that trailer. <laughs> That's true. And, and then leave. Like, yeah. that that was one of those trailers. Yeah. Well, Phantom the, Menace was also one of those trailers, unfortunately. Yeah. But well, What got me with the Batman trailer was uh, they got to the part where you yeah, Nicholson is the Joker just going, where does he get those wonderful toys? And then it's like the Batmobile and the machine guns pop out of the hood and then it like mm-hmm. blows a hole through the wall that it drives through you know you're like 18 looking at it going I've never seen anything like this in my entire life you and know? then us comic us comic book nerds watched it and we went Vicky Vale they're pulling out Vicky Vale she, <laughs> yeah, she really. was never in the show she was never referred to anything they're gonna actually do the comic book boom, boom, boom. which they didn't yeah. no they quite very much did not but but still I mean that first of all that Batmobile design is just dope but yeah uh. <laughs> it's classic and yeah and then you watch the movie and you were like well he can't move his neck he can't look around but i'm cool it was it was fun it just I forced had to him watch to make dramatic times to realize what was wrong with it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well i just remember when it came out and everybody went apeshit for it so the marketing just got the butts in the seats and then it was just so relentless that summer like the fox but- comic book series oh yeah uh, like the little kid in foxtrot like like every other Sunday was a, a comic strip about that kid being a Batman freak. He'd like put on the like outfit and stuff. And so they got all this weird free ancillary marketing. It's just so strange to me. Because it was marketing about the marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the big thing about that that really worked, right, was that 
the Batman logo is an icon. It is such a great piece of graphic design. It it can be printed in one color. Yeah. You know, and and it can be put anywhere. And when you look at it, you think the word Batman. So along comes Disney a year later and tries to make a yellow Dick Tracy yeah. yeah. Icon? Well, they, well, they do it up like eh. it, like it's actually from the comic strips. And again, it's right. like it's a depression era comic strip that doesn't have a lot of relevance in 1990. And so it's just, I think their assumption was that, oh, they did it for Batman. But they'll do it for Dick Tracy. Like, you look, no. at, you look at that and you're like, pervert in a raincoat. You don't yeah. think Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, and yeah. plus, if you, if you look at the trailer too, it's like they, they try to do the same thing, but they show all of the weird rogues gallery with all of these giant actors like Al Pacino. Right. Tracy, uh, it, Tracy, yeah. Tracy. Yeah. And it's like, and you watch a trailer and you go, what in the hell? is this and then they trot out madonna and it's like i don't have any clue what the hell this thing is about i know it's gonna be weird but i don't know if that's gonna be good so yeah. so dick tracy was released by disney and you know one thing disney will do is marketing and merchandising right like they had dick tracy song and dance numbers at disneyland and they had yeah they had a dick tracy uh, costume on a dancer on Madonna's Blonde Ambition tour, <sighs> and they had like they put a Roger Rabbit m- short in front of this thing. Like they pulled yeah. out all the stops to make Dick Tracy happen, and it, it really it didn't. Thud, thud. <laughs> it did. No, it did. It it succeeded financially, but it was like it was no Batman. You know, yeah. Yeah. at I mean, the time, I remember profit, reading it, but. I remember reading in Premiere magazine somebody at the studio saying the operation was a failure, but the patient lived. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just one of those weird deals because they also brought back Danny Elfman to do the music for this one too. Oh, and that's, that's right. after and that's after Batman. So it's like And Sondheim. Yeah. It's like what <laughs> in the fuck is going on? And it's just it's this weird pastiche movie. It just is so now, boring. Now, now, in fairness, the Prince Batman songs yeah. were kind of fucked that up, too. was unnecessary. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. But I remember, uh, so 89, 90, I was going to University of Southern California, so I was out in L.A., and right when I had gotten there, I did all the normal touristy stuff. So I went to Universal Studios and did the, the tour, and they drive you through the back lot. Well, it was right when they were getting ready to get Dick Tracy rolling. And they filmed it at Universal. So the back lots are all these like New York City streets <laughs> with the brownstones. But they're all done in these weird-ass primary like colors. Rainbow colors. Yeah. 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 And you're driving through. And I just remember uh, as we pull into that area of the tour and the, the tour gun on the, on the trolley is like, uh, this is for the movie Dick Tracy that will be coming out next year with... Warren Beatty. So uh, don't be alarmed by the colors. They actually did that for the movie. That's not going to be the way it's going to stay forever. You know, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and you're like, I'm in Toontown. Yeah, literally. <laughs> it was so strange. But yeah, and then the I, movie. I know a lot of the reviews at the time were like, it's like an independent film. The way they did all the primary colors. Yeah. I think that's their way of saying all of the bad choices that an amateur would make. It's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they just tried to, to splash the Dick Tracy logo everywhere, like his profile from the comic strip and this and that with mm-hmm. the radio watch. Uh, and mm-hmm. it just didn't yeah. stick. None of it stuck. 
in a way, Batman made you scared that this is how they were going to promote films from now on. Mm-hmm. And Dick Tracy closed the door on it because nobody was willing to do that ever again. Because well, when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. I, I gotta give, I've got to give Warner's props for what they did for Batman Returns, which was the teaser poster for that was like one-sixth of the Batman logo. It was just like part of the cowl part of the Batman logo on a white yeah. background. Like, Returns was the only word on the poster. That was it. And it yeah. was like, yeah. but boy, you also you really know what, what you got was. there. Yeah. yeah. You you were already on board because yeah. you know, there was that whole Batman movie two years ago that <laughs> was such a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So it's just yeah. So Dick Tracy was sort of the nail in the coffin of that like ginormous weird cross marketing. Uh was it though? <laughs> well to an extent. But that was that was also a weird year because that was uh right around the time like a year later Rocketeer came out and I think they tried something similar. And that just flubbed because, again, it's like set in the 30s. They didn't really know how to market it. Uh, mm. But it's got some of the most amazing graphics for any sort of marketing campaign because they do all that like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Or no, not Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Wright. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Jesus. Uh, but all that like Art Deco stuff in the background and the, you know. Uh, so I think the lesson here is if you're going to make a nostalgia play, you need to play to the nostalgia of the creative people who are going to make your film, not the studio executives. Yes. Who are too damn old. <laughs> but the problem is that, like, the guys who made Rocketeer liked that period. You know, yeah. that, that mm-hmm, would have worked, except, you know, no one had any connection to the material. I think if yeah. they had, like, played up the we're killing Nazis they they might have done better because people have seen enough documentaries about World War yeah. II to know what's going on. This was just some guy with a rocket pack. I'm, yeah. I'm actually okay with the marketing for Rocketeer because it sold you the movie that they made, right? Okay, yeah, here's an old-timey art deco dude with a helmet flying with a jetpack, and yeah. that's kind of... If you're not down with that, this isn't your movie. Yeah. Sure, well, you know. plus it's, you know... Uh, these are all sort of comic book movies in an era when comic book movies were very much the odd man out. So it's strange that they got such a big marketing push, even though they were not well regarded as a genre. Yeah. Uh, so it's just hey, strange. Maybe that's the problem is once again, comic books were not a big deal yet, Yeah. but there was this desire for comic book movies. And so the people who were in charge went to what they knew, yeah. which was serials <clears throat> and mm. Like Brenda Steele. They made a Brenda Steele movie. <laughs> Wasn't that, Nobody that was... wants that at all. Brenda Starr, I think. Brenda Starr. Star. Yeah. Brenda Starr. Oh my Sorry. God, yeah. I forgot that happened. Who was, yeah, who with, was uh, in that? Who was, was that like Kathleen Brooke Turner? Shields. Like, Brooke Shields. Yeah. Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields. And, and uh, uh, the, the, what, the guy from The Rocketeer, James Bond. Yeah. Timothy Dalton. Dalton. Yeah. Well, that was also, like, Boy. 90s were a weird era because they wow. started doing all of those weird callbacks to the 30s serial stuff, too. It's just littered with them. So you had the Shadow, you had the Phantom, etc., etc. I'm like, it's just such a strange... Smash evil! <laughs> the Phantom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, what, what else was, like, big on the hype here, though? Like, what did you guys actually bring? Like, I know you guys thought of some stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to I, I, I gotta say, I, I okay, my two the two bigs, I as I mentioned, there's the Star Wars Yep uh uh uh, uh non sequential sequels. Mm-hmm. I, I hate that word prequel, so non sequential sequels, uh they 
they were basically some of the best goddamn previews I've ever seen. Because when I, yeah, I, yeah. I went to see The Thin Red Line, uh, which is a serious grown-up war movie. And this preview comes on with no dialogue. And that John Williams score, which whatever you think mm-hmm. of the whole Spielberg Lucas thing, John Williams is amazing. He is, he is probably John- the best, best film score composer ever and that's i, I will with, say this john williams music will be performed by symphony orchestras 200 years from now if the human race survives yeah um, i mean well the music is no the music yeah. is good but it really serves the film better than anybody else's mm-hmm. music serves their film and that's that that's understanding how good a lot of composers who make you know, music for films are i'm not like yeah, you know, this is my educated opinion is that he's he's the fucking man. But you're talking uh, about the first teaser with the force theme and just the slow fade in and out and one, the every generation uh, has a the legend fi- kind of duel thing. of the duel of the fates music. Uh, these invading craft on rolling green hills. Right. Uh, the way they were showing these bits, there was I don't remember any dialogue. I just remember these images and that music and thinking this looks Shakespearean in approach. If that's what they're doing. I am so on board. In my head, I made a better movie than I ended up seeing. Uh, I think that's the problem with The Phantom Menace. Like, everybody had that same problem, Mm -hmm. right? Like, those two trailers, both of the trailers for The Phantom Menace are some of the best trailers ever made. And yeah, they promise a movie that you did not get. And so every Star Wars fan came in (laughs) expecting the tone of those trailers and got you know, Jar Jar stepping in poop. And, yeah. <laughs> and was like, what to make the fuck is for this? Kids. Yeah. And right. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you wanted to make something for kids, how come there's so many people getting beheaded in those three films? Yeah. A lot of beheadings in those films. Yeah. Me so think I'm racist. Yeah. There's <laughs> just so much wrong with it. But I, I will give it the marketing though, because the trailer's tight and it did get butts and seats. And we mentioned it, just earlier, like people would go buy tickets for other movies, sit for the trailer, and then leave. I'm like, that's a stunt. Like, what kind of knucklehead, first of all, is going to plunk down money for a full ticket and then just watch two minutes and then leave? Wipe them out. All of them. No! It had been so long since we had a Star Wars movie. People were yeah, that, that was like that's 20 years, years of. You think they'll ever make another Star Wars? There's there's actually been more time between now and that movie than there was between Phantom Menace and the and the Empire or the Return of the Jedi. Um, The the thing about twenty years, the fans all had an opportunity to write better films than what ended up getting made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing about Star Wars, like this is the thing I've always been saying about Star Wars, is what makes it great is the scarcity of it. Right? It's it's when it shows up. And they've taken the time and they give you a really polished one and then they go away for several years and, yeah. and deprive you of it. That creates an audience for it that they have now just saturated and annoyed and everyone's done. Well, my favorite thing about that whole revival for Star Wars was the fact that some people were shrewd enough to capitalize on it that weren't part of Star Wars. And I still think to this day that the tra- the teaser trailer for Austin Powers' Spy Who Shagged Me is genius because it came out in 99 <laughs> and it starts off with, oh, and goes through space, etc. And it's like this like spacey 
like spaceship deck and there's like the the guy with his chair turned and you're like holy shit is this, this and then it turns around as dr evil you're expecting maybe somebody else i'm just like mm-hmm. oh fuck you it was a giant fuck you to everybody if you see one movie this summer see star wars but if yeah. you see two yeah <laughs> it was so genius and uh it still makes me laugh but yeah uh, so so what was your other example eric uh the other is the marvel movies and okay. I think, okay, now, you know, you, you think it's very basic promotion of a f- films or a film series, but I put it to you that the smartest marketing for those films was the uh, end credits trailers. Yes. Every one of those yes. movies ended with a little sniglet. You, you watched the whole movie and you were already in a good mood because they went so well. And then you went, what? Hulk? Or what? They found Thor's yeah. hammer or what? You know, it's like just 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 like they're just pulling you along. Every film basically kicks you in the air to land on the next film they put out with these little teasers until you get all the 10 years later to Endgame, which finally Doesn't makes happen. more money than Avatar. Yeah, because they've been advertising this one film for 10 years. Yeah, it's with so, all these other films. And the beauty of that is that when they started the Marvel cinematic universe with iron man uh nobody knew about the stingers like i went and saw iron man and i left when the credits rolled and then i read online afterwards <laughs> like oh you should have mm-hmm. stuck around they had to see with samuel L. jackson blah 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 uh and they had to train us to sit through yep. the credits for that and then that carries over to other movies where you're like are they gonna do this now because some movies decided they were gonna start that as well well <laughs> so it, it's like, it kicked off so much viral stuff right because then yeah. all of a sudden everybody goes online and they're like holy fucking shit like at the end of uh at the end of the avengers the first avengers movie when they show thanos's face yeah. i didn't know who thanos was couldn't have cared less dun, 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 but boy dun. did it get get people talking so that I did know who Thanos was by the time he actually shows up for real. Yeah. So, you know, that definitely a genius marketing move. Bit uh, of a, bit of a misstep there though, showing like basically showing, playing the Thanos card so early because by the time he is on the scene with you know, infinity war, you go, wait a minute, why didn't he do this himself the whole time? Because mm-hmm. he, be- he basically got four of these stones uh, inside of 40 minutes. why why did we have 10 years of these dumb films where he sends other people out just just fucking do it but i mean really that's just that's just cliffhanger writing right like that's that's some writer going all right well how are you going to write yourself out of this you know and i'm going to just throw this thing at you and it's like oh god you know it would have been more interesting if you know like loki had been sent you know by uh, 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 what's his name from Guardians of the Galaxy and the Guardians of the Galaxy guy did it because he was sent by the collector it's like mm-hmm. string it along you know <laughs> okay so, well. anyway but but that's just that's just the film writing you know the actual promotion is I think it's genius way of using the films as advertising yeah like Avengers was always the point right and 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 to some degree just the audacity of the whole thing like everybody went into that first avengers movie going how the hell is this gonna work this is such a such a roll of the dice and then to have them stick the landing as hard as they did on that movie was a big deal i was rooting against them so hard 
I was like, I want this to fail. Are you serious? You're going to make a Captain America movie and right? expect me to give a shit? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. And then I watch it and I'm like, God damn it. This is really good. And yeah. each one of those Captain America films is really good. They yep. get successively better. That's what's so strange about Captain America. And they're tonally different yeah. from the other ones. It's like they, they kind of understood what the appeal of each sort of hero vertical was. Yeah. And they played to it. There you go. So that's those are my two. Well, All I right. will say that picking up on the, the whole viral thing, uh, there is the other side of the coin to that sort of thing, though. Uh, and I'm looking directly at you, snakes on a plane, wherein, <laughs> wherein the internet community went nuts over this concept and this idea, and the studio was so overconfident that they had a major hit that they widened the release, and the thing fucking tanked because nobody really gave a shit because they'd already seen all the memes and all the jokes <laughs> online, etc. before it opened. So that's your flip side right there. Well, wasn't Weren't they like trying to come up with a real title but then that whole you know sam, sam jackson, jackson said yeah no no you got to keep this yeah, yeah i'm tired of this motherfucking snakes and this motherfucking plane and that was it okay the yeah. name of the movie is snakes on a plane screw yeah. it and then there was just like crap every like i remember working at the bookstore and we would get these drop shipments of crap that we would sell for cheap and somebody somewhere just got a warehouse full of these uh talking pens that when you press the button, it was Sam Jackson going, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. And you could just play it ad infinitum. Yeah. Oh, God. And it's, they were really obnoxious. And that, to me, is the epitome of marketing gone wrong. Because it's like, there's nothing here. It's like you're basically just selling a giant nothing burger off of this, and nobody cares. I mean, it's so just like, <laughs> hey, we got us a fad. Let's, let's just... Basically, Whatever. it's yes. Okay. Next on a plane is the hula hoops of movies. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what? No, this is like, there's nothing here. Uh, so yeah, so that's the flip side of the viral thing. You got to be careful with it because you can fuck right. it up really easily. Yeah, you know that's uh, uh, they did that with uh, 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 Blair Witch. Of mm-hmm. course, that was one of the ones great. I was going to bring. Yeah, they totally the, got me. I'm so yeah. mad. <laughs> sucker <laughs> i had no interest in it and like once i did see it someone told me about the marketing came i was like oh yeah that sounds smart so i wasn't really i didn't catch it so yeah. i've i don't i don't think i've i've never seen the movie but the marketing campaign fooled me so at the time i was going to to college i was at uc berkeley and the only ad I see for this is like on the bulletin board in the hallway of one of the buildings, right? <laughs> like, like just some student put that up and it's just like, hey, this is really fucked up. These kids like went to the forest and disappeared and now we have this footage and somebody, you know, has edited it together and it was like really, you know, this sort of creepy, hey, do you want to see a dead body kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> and... You know, no one had pulled this particular stunt, at least in living memory. Um, and we also hadn't had found footage films really yet. Right. This was sort yeah. of the first. One of the yeah, progenitors. So it, it's a legit hoax. The Blair Witch Project's marketing campaign is a hoax perpetrated on oh, people, yeah. and it works. Because yeah. they had the, the, the nascent uh, internet, so they had the websites and the whole right. nine yards. It's crazy. 
and then people bought into it. I mean, it's like, what is it? And then you like, you watch the movie, you're like, this is some William Castle bullshit right here. This is genius level marketing. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, the skeleton's going to come out of the corner and oh, fly over your head. Ah! I mean, it's that same vibe. It's so ridiculous when you watch it. And the lead up to it, just like, I got to see how this pans out. I really do. <laughs> well, and they had that one shot that was in all the marketing of of the actress. You know, I'm so scared right now and just... Yeah. Like snot bubbles and stuff. Selling it, yeah, performance, right? So that shot, it, it comes off so authentic that you watch yeah. it and you're just like, oh my fucking God, what is this? What is this yeah. horrible nightmare of a thing? You know? <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, I can't watch it now. It's really wonderfully just, manipulative uh, campaign. That's basically the best way to put it it was it was perfectly manipulative well and the beauty is because it was as advertising should be yeah well the beauty of it is too it was basically an indie movie so that's just somebody who's trying to get as big a chunk of the pie as they can for their little indie flick uh and they didn't have any idea that it was going to go so gangbusters so for years i think decades that was the most profitable indie film that had ever been yeah. made because the marketing just suckered people in and then got everybody talking and they had to go see it so yeah genius so i want to talk a little bit about um these alternate reality game marketing campaigns uh so the easy one to call out was the why so serious campaign for the dark knight a movie that did not need this kind of hyping like it really didn't um but but nevertheless, you know, Warners did this whole thing at Comic-Con where they had they got like their fans to like campaign for Harvey Dent. You know, they 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 had like this website where people going to the site and giving him their email address would reveal another pixel in the first released image of Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yeah. And I remember when that image, you know, was revealed, which happened real fast. Um looking at that just like people reacted to Michael Keaton as Batman and going eh that's the joke <laughs> yeah, yeah a big giant shrug yeah it, well cuz it was like a close up from when he was doing the video where he was torturing the guy you know in the movie and you know it's this, it's this very ugly face and and again so initial reaction to to a casting decision for the Joker was just like, yeah, I don't know. But then of course Heath Ledger just blows everybody's mind with his, with his yeah. take. But they, they had that. Did he, did either of you hear much about that campaign or, or am I the only one who was reading any cool news at the time? Uh, no, I knew about it. Like the, the sort of hidden game. Yeah. The, yeah. There were, there's like, joker graffitiing stuff or i believe in harvey dent right it's like they they basically sent you off in two directions and it's like you know who harvey dent becomes and of course you know who the joker is so yeah it was kind of a fun way of being pulled into the universe i liked that yeah and then um the other one i wanted to call out was again with disney again with the questionable uh revival but the marketing campaign for Tron Legacy. Boy, okay. did Disney like try and overinflate this thing. So they they had So the director Kaczynski had had made a a basically a pitch reel, right? He had made this um 
this little short uh, to prove out some of the technology he wanted to show of, you know, light cycles and stuff. And there's one shot of de-aged CG Jeff Bridges at the very, very end of it. And at the time, the title was Tron 2, spelled T-R-2-N. You know, and they showed this at Comic-Con, and everyone loses their shit, because, oh my god, more Tron. <laughs> yeah, because uh, as we've proven, uh, any movie that comes out 30 years after the original is always guaranteed. Right. <laughs> you know, so so they show this to basically gauge audience willingness to, to go see Tron 2, yeah. and of course they show it at the most, like, accepting excitable audience for that content they possibly could you know so now they think they've got this big deal on their hands and they just go all out like they have again at comic-con right they have this whole thing where there's like a helicopter from ncom dropping off bruce boxleitner to talk about how kevin flynn lives and then they had built flynn's arcade at you know for the press and then like the there's a secret passageway that goes into Tron. Where, like, they went nuts on this thing. Yeah. For, you know, Tron Legacy. <laughs> well, uh, <what laughs> it sucked. was very good. Yeah, that was a great film. I loved that movie. Yeah, I got nothing against it. I still enjoy watching it. Uh, but I got to be honest, it's the, the Daft Punk score is what sort of draws me in somehow. Uh, I, and I you was... had to see it in IMAX. The IMAX yeah. version, it, it, you get the full just ass-kicking of that, that film's visuals. Yeah. But uh, to me, just watching the movie, though, that's like where the marketing sort of fails you. It's because you watch it and you're like, oh, so basically they just made Flynn the fucking Big Lebowski. <laughs> it's literally what it is when you get into like, was this really, was this Jeff Bridges' call or is this just how it organically happened? Because that's just ridiculous. <laughs> I just well, didn't and, it. and so Tron Legacy ultimately is like the big engine that allows them to to work on their de-aging technology that, that gets mm-hmm. used all over Marvel. Um, but in a context where it's okay if he doesn't look human. Yeah. Because yeah. he's Clue, you know. There's context. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think just graphically it looked amazing. It, basically, it's the Tron movie that you want when you watch the original Tron. That's all just sort of that early choppy CG yeah. stuff. Yeah, uh, animated and whatnot. It's like when you watch that, like your kid imagination takes over, and Tron Legacy is probably what you're seeing in your mind <laughs> when you're watching the original it's the Tron. Movie we thought we saw when yeah. we were in the sixth grade. Basically, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I talk about Tron Legacy on one of the earlier podcasts. So go to our website and find that one. <laughs> yes, seriously. Yeah. I I uh, had I was not happy at the. I agree with you guys that in general, Tron Legacy is good at the same level of quality as the original Tron for the time it was made. Yeah. But man, did I have some beefs with it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Was one of them the fact that they put a number two in place of the O? No, no, okay. but I'm, I do <laughs> recall going off on a, a giant long rant about how physics simulations are the most computationally expensive thing you could do. So when you're deleting something, the last thing you want to do is spend a bunch of resources Bouncing around the cubes of the physics. Anyway, I'm a nerd. What do you want? <laughs> I think you lost him. I think you lost him, Brian. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's well, all I got. Anything else we should be talking about on this? Uh, the the only other one I want to end on, and it's, uh, again, all roads lead back to Disney for just ridiculous, overblown marketing <laughs> bullshit, uh, is the fact that they 
they dropped the ball in such a massive way uh, when they did John Carter. Just massive because it should have because it's weird because it should have been first of all john carter from mars of mars right it's like when you just truncated to john carter you're gonna have a whole slew of people that have never read the edgar rice burroughs bob smith yeah john c bob smith yeah (laughs) it's like what the fuck is this was that released before or after uh mars needs moms where they decided that (laughs) mars was not a marketable planet I think it was after, but still. Yeah. Okay. But John yeah, Carter but, of Mars is a thing you've heard of. Yeah. Right? Or prin- or Princess of, of Mars and that sort of thing. I mean, if you're... Yeah. If you, no, I think you're wrong. I think that's just us people who read books. Yeah. Most people have no idea what an no. Edgar Rice Burroughs is. People who is. wanted to look at <laughs> fantasy covers with boobs on them, like Conan books, remember... You know, being a twelve-year-old, and their older brother was reading John Carter and shit. But and like, you know, but that's the thing. Even when Conan the Barbarian came out, which has source material, it came out like its own thing. It's like it understood that it was starting from zero. And I think doing John Carter of Mars and expecting there to be a built-in audience still—that yeah. was probably the mistake. Well, they yeah. I mean, they flubbed it from all sides. Uh, but the biggest one was just cutting the of Mars. So automatically you got people that don't have any clue what's going on. Then you yeah. get the guy that directed Finding Nemo and Wally and Toy Story in his uh, quote unquote mm-hmm. live action debut. Uh, and they just fucked up selling that uh, somehow. And they didn't draw Ironic, it into since the... it's basically an animated film. But yeah. Okay. And it looks spectacular. <laughs> like the the aliens in this thing are just insane. The way oh, yeah, they no, integrate them. I'm like, glorious. I think could John Carter gets a bad rap and like it's a failure or something. I mean, it made money and it made a profit, but it was so synonymous with being a failure because they botched the marketing so badly. Like, yeah. focus groups and test groups, like, I don't understand. I don't know well, what this is and about. And then, like, Who the cares? next year, they did the Lone Ranger that way, right? Like, again, Disney. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten yeah. all about that. Yeah. Ooh. That's, see, I, I lump those two right in with each other. Yeah. That they make all these very expensive films, and then they don't understand the audience. Yeah. That they want showing up. I yeah. think, but that, that harkens back to Wild Wild West from, like, 1999, though. It's like, Will Smith, high and mighty off of independence day and men in black uh they get the director of men in black they decide to do wild wild west which is a fun 60s pulpy china tv show and they just fucked it from the start i mean it's that same same, thing it's basically the same creative team behind all those pirates movies that should have failed and didn't Mm. And so they were like oh well we can just do the same thing with lone ranger and they did not Uh, well but 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 going back to John Carter, I, the, one of the things that I read at the time that I think I think is is a decent take on it. The thing about John Carter of Mars is that it was a very influential thing, and it had been ripped off, <laughs> right? right? Like yeah. the whole the whole fighting the beasts in the arena thing was in Star Wars Episode Two. You know that's yeah. that's taken straight out of John Carter. So by the time John Carter comes out people think of it as being derivative even though it's being derivative of all the things that ripped it off well which is an interesting point uh we could do an entire show about that well we'll just make it this one so the the dune trailer for the dennis villeneuve movie dropped Mm. 
uh, mm-hmm. a few days ago as of this recording. I'm so down. Yeah. I'm so down. Yeah. For but that. here's the thing is like you've got you've already got people crawling out of the woodwork going, well, it's a little too much like Star Wars this and Star Wars that's like, yeah, that's because George Lucas took half of his shit yeah. from Dune. Yeah. But nobody reads, so they don't know. <laughs> and it's the same thing. So yeah, it's like these movies that are and stories that are so influential because they've been kicking around for almost a, you know, yeah. decades, if not centuries. Yep. The nice thing, at least, is that Dune is recent enough that even if you didn't like the films or the sci-fi miniseries, you understand that there's a history. Yeah. And that there's, you know, there, there, there are books, you know, the, right. there are people who read this stuff. I think the grownups who show up for Dune, and that's how they're marketing it for yeah. grownups, mm-hmm. have probably read the Dune books. Yeah. Whereas most people probably haven't read A Princess of Mars or any of the other right. John Carter stuff, unless exactly. they're kids that yeah. are already into that and, you know, like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Jules Verne and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a very niche market. And that's, I think that's where John Carter just f- failed on every level. Because Disney just like, oh, it's a space movie. Uh, it's like, uh. I mean, that's literally how I feel when I watch the trailers and shit for it. I'm like, they just didn't care. They didn't know who they were marketing to. They deserved to fail. Yeah. I mean, John Carter is on Disney Plus. It's underrated. It's worth a watch, folks. Definitely. It is underrated. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, agreed. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, I actually honestly wish it had cost less to make. Otherwise, it wouldn't be considered a failure. Same way Tron Legacy was right. considered a failure. Yeah. Not because of what it made, but because of what it cost to make. Right. It's like the return wasn't there anymore. Yeah. That is a great point. Nowadays, they're not hyping movies because they're trying to, to hype them. They're trying to hype them because they've, they've spent too much money <laughs> yeah. and they're doing the sunk yeah. cost yeah. fallacy. Yeah. We really need yeah. to make our 5% back on this one. <laughs> please, God. Please, God. Uh, now I'm just I, angry. I, 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 I sense we're coming to the end, so I just want to end it with my my years old theory: bad trailer, good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I was thinking about how uh, Wayne's World had an obnoxiously stupid preview when that came out, and then it turned out to be hilarious. Yeah, right. Uh, at the same, I think the same year, even Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out with a yeah you know, the preview. Looked awesome. Looked awesome. Yeah. And, and and that was still sort of an underground comic book at the time. So I was like, oh, hey, cool. I'll, I'll see this. And of course, it was, it was serviceable shit. There's a whole think... generation that loves the hell out of that first movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a kid's <laughs> but, movie. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the thing. It's a kid's movie. But I, I, I see that still. My favorite trailer of the last couple of years was for the first Suicide Squad. Oh, mm. with the okay. that that preview mm. is great. Yeah, the film sucks ass, but the uh, what's that song? I told a joke that set the whole world crying. That's some song, mm-hmm. but they do like a very slow, moody cover of it, and then they show all these just straight up bonkers bananas moments from the film, uh, like with teddy bears and machine guns, and it, I'm like, this looks. This looks insane. I have to see this film. And of course, I was let down completely. Mm-hmm. But now they're making previews with such facility <laughs> that I don't think the movies can stand up. Well, I mean, I actually think they've done, been doing a decent job. You know, if you go back and listen to the show, and, and you can do that, by the way, by going to our website, which is 
maghuge.com m-a-g-h-u-g-e well played com. sir well played <laughs> uh, or you can subscribe to the podcast and have all the old episodes which re- you really should do but if you listen to a lot of my fresh shit for the last year or so pretty much all of my reviews are did you watch the trailer because the movie is is very much that if you watch the trailer and you like the trailer you like the movie uh, if you don't and my point me, is in most cases you'll probably like the trailer more so just watch the trailer that, yeah that's not a bad plan uh, yeah. If if you've got you know if you if you don't agree with me, be, by all means argue with me and, and tweet at MagHuge and and uh, tell me that uh, that I'm not right about this or send an email to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, we're on all the socials. We're here every week. We look back on stuff. We we have our Gen X whatever attitude and we and we whine and bitch and complain because because it's fun. And we've been yeah. doing it for years. And also, John Carter told us to get hobbies. Yeah. But also, John <laughs> Carter is really a good movie. So. And there. Suicide Squad is really not. It's so great. <laughs> I'm angry again. Damn it. <laughs> and that's the show. And scene. <laughs>